Let's talk about, let's get into the second segment of the show, man, because I, I spent a lot of time on this trying to get some information together. I want to talk about portal updates. I want to talk about guys that, that are, that have another year to come back. And then also guys that have kind of already entered the portal or just not really made a decision. So I kind of want to update you. I want to update the folks. We have officially, I think officially seven people have entered the portal, but I'm pretty sure there's an eight that I went ahead and wrote down that's going to. And that is defensive back Warren Burrell, defensive back Brandon Turnage, defensive back Jack Luttrell, offensive lineman Mo Clipper Jr., offensive lineman Addison Nichols, defensive lineman Tyler Barron, offensive lineman Connor Meadows. Now, those seven people have entered the portal. The eighth guy that I've wrote down that is expected to hit the portal, but he hasn't made it official, is defensive back. Nico Slaughter. So, I want I want your thoughts on this. Um, yeah, obviously, but, defensive back, <laughs> we're clearing house, dude. Like, it's insane. But one thing I want to make mention is Warren Burrell's had it tough, man. He got hurt several years ago and just not really been able to find his way back into the rotation. So, yeah. that one's not really – it is what it is, man. Like, I, I hope he finds a place where he can finish out his collegiate career on a high note. Um, Jack Latrell was, um, a new guy that just hasn't seen the field. I think it was a three-star recruit. I think he read the writing on the wall. So I think that's why he's entering as well. Honestly, my initial opinions is nobody really like, oh, that one hurt. Other than maybe Tyler Barron. Tyler Barron. Um, and, Addison, um, and, may, and maybe Addison, and Addison was a little bit, but, but yep. Nichols hadn't, he hadn't panned out like everybody thought that he would. I, I mean, hadn't yet but the the thing is is man he was a red shirt sophomore and the offensive line this year and you know this was like strictly seniors so it's hard to win out you know it's so um but you've seen him in the end the the final two games man he's got plenty of playing time the last two games which is why i kind of thought it was a shock now just because they hit the portal doesn't mean they're leaving i want everybody to kind of understand that i think tyler Barron that one hurts but i also think that one doesn't like affect the team nearly as bad as it may sound, even though he was the second uh, leading tackler or sack leader on t- Tennessee's defense. But man, I don't think you realize just how big a defensive line or a defensive edge, uh, you know, an exterior lineman on the defense. That's such a rotational position. And we have so many great young players coming in. Yes. Look at James Pierce, man. He's not even a junior yet. He will be. Um, you got Joshua Josephs. You got um, that West kid. There's so many that I can't even name off the top of my head. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine on the edge. All right. Um, and, and talking about younger guys, real quick, you know, I, I want your thoughts on this. Do you believe that the defensive back room cleaning out the way it is right here is just guys seeing seeing that writing on the wall about all the young talent that is coming in, and they've seen the improvements of all these younger guys? And they're saying, well, I, I don't really know if I want to compete for this because I, I'm afraid I'm going to get beat out. Do, do you think maybe that's these guys leaving? So it's both. Um, you got Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson, these kids coming in as, as defensive backs that are four-star recruits that the hype will – I mean, those are his guys that he believes in. You've also got some guys that could be coming back that we haven't really talked about that I'm going to talk about. You could be having some seniors coming in and using that uh, COVID year to their advantage and playing another year. 
And I think that's another reason why you see some kids hit the portal. Because I know a lot of people are like, wow, why, are, why is Tennessee losing players like we're on the up and up? And I'm like, okay, I agree with that. But you also got to understand that when people want, you know, when they play college football, they want to play college football. They don't want to sit on the bench the whole time. I'm a little different because I know I'm not good. I will gladly sit the bench and get rings all day long. I, I'm totally fine with that. But you got other kids out there who really, truly believe in themselves that want to contribute to the team. And so these kids that are seeing it, like you mentioned, writing on the wall, that they're not going to be able to contribute to the team. They're going to go play for a team that they can contribute to. Um, we do have some people that have announced already that they're returning um, to to utilize that COVID year. And There's a big name I'm waiting for you to hear. That's right. We So remember, we had three offensive linemen that entered the portal. Well, that's because we got offensive lineman John Campbell Jr. And if you don't remember him, he's the kid that literally blocked a guy in Nashville, just like the Blindside movie, straight to the stands. Like Time for him to I go think, I think it was voted SEC Nations or SEC Now's block of the year. Uh, like, And it happened in week one. So he's coming back. He announced on his Instagram. We got linebacker, and I love this one, Keenan Peely. Yes. He is coming back. Now, I know we only got to see him for one game, but I think he's that vocal leader that we need on our defense, and he's coming back healthy again next year. And not and, to mention, he's, he's like 20, 28, 27. <laughs> he's a whole dad. He's <laughs> a whole dad, dude. Um, he's no, married and, and, at least one kid. I think he's got two kids. Uh, probably. Um, and then offensive lineman Cooper Mays. He's coming back. So we got yeah, two offensive linemen. He's officially announced it. Okay, I have not seen that. I, I've seen According to a source. According to a source, he has officially announced he's coming back. Um, I'm excited, but now because you have those linemen coming back, that's why you're seeing these younger guys enter the portal because they know that's a whole other year. They're not going to be the starters. So I've got some guys down that I'm feeling good, but there's no announcement yet, and that's why receiver Brew McCoy. It's defensive lineman Amari Thomas and Omar Norman Lott. Feeling pretty good about those guys coming back. You've got safety to Marion McDonald. We got cornerback Gabe Judy Lolly. And he's not a senior, but um according to his Instagram, I think we have locked down Dylan Sampson. I think he's coming back. He never entered the portal, but he did take out Vault Football on his Instagram page if you've been following my TikTok. Um, so it kind of scared a lot of people. Um but he has since added Vol Football back to his Instagram bio. He probably secured a better NIL deal, which let's not let's not uh, overlook some of these guys that enter the portal that are probably just doing the same thing. Let's be honest. Tyler Barron could absolutely just be trying to lock in a bigger bag and coming right back. Also the second time he's done this. It is. Well, I'm not going to fault him the first time on a coaching change. I, I'll, I'll so, agree with him. I, I'll agree with so, that. Um, and I will give Hypo credit for locking him back down. So – those are some of the guys that I was feeling good about coming back, but they've not officially announced. I do want to talk about um, some transfer portal news and some recruiting news. Uh, we lost a big-time five-star offensive tackle, Jordan Seaton, to Colorado and Deion Sanders. Now, Jordan Seaton released a top six or seven, and Colorado wasn't even in it. In fact, Tennessee was the high favorite for this kid. Um, I think we had the best NIL deal for him out of any other school, including Ohio State and Oregon, who were the other two top front runners. Um, Jordan Seaton, I'm not going to bash this kid. He did what he felt like is best for him. Credit to him. What I'm concerned about and what I'm more so wanting to talk about 
is Jordan Seaton and Boo Carter had a great relationship. And they've sent each other pictures on their stories saying, hey, brother, it's a lock. Or, like, we're locked in. You know what we're doing. So the fact that Jordan Seaton committed to Colorado, does that put Boo Carter on flip alert? Does that mean that Boo Carter could be flipping to Colorado? I, I'm I'm not going to say no. Because I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I got on Twitter earlier this week and had a notification. And it turns out it was a fake account that said this. Uh, said that um, Boo Carter has unpinned his, his uh, commitment post to Tennessee from uh, Twitter. Uh, said that it's gone. He's taken ball football out of his bio and all that. And I real quick, I hopped over to Boo Carter's page and looked. None of that is true. He still has the commitment post pinned. Still got ball football in his bio he won of uh, 6a mr football in the state of tennessee and tagged vol football in that so i'm not gonna say that it's out of the realm of possibility that he flips but right now I, i'm pretty high on boo carter staying with tennessee uh at this moment but you know things could change I, i'm not sure when he is set to officially sign but uh you know anything can happen between now and signing day uh, I think there's a signing day, early signing days in December. Yeah, December, that, I know I there, like a week or two away from it. Yeah, I, I know there is one coming up here in December. I'm not sure when he is actually going to sign. No, I know the uh, the normal signing day is in February. That that's the that that's the way it always has been. But hardly anybody does that anymore because of all the early signing days. Well, everybody wants to be on campus in January so they can be a part of spring football. So, um, but some other recruiting news is Jonathan Echoes, who's been a long time tight end commit has actually flipped to USF. I've seen that one coming from a mile away. You look, you got Alex Golish, who was part of our recruiting. Once he became a head coach, you knew he was going to take away a player, if not multiple players from our recruiting, because believe it or not, Alex Golish was our recruiter. So, um, there's nothing shady about that. Like, I'm not hating Alex Golish for that. Jonathan Eccles. Um, one, I think this is a testament to how good Ethan Davis is. And um, another tight end that we're looking at that was actually on campus right now as we speak this weekend is Holden Stays, the number one tight end in the transfer portal out of Notre Dame. He was in town this weekend. Um, I think Vols are absolutely in the running for this guy, and the reason why is because Justin Jolly is a guy that everybody kind of assumed that we were going to go after because he plays for UConn, and everybody in Neyland saw him put up 100 yards almost against our defense when UConn played Tennessee. That has not happened. I think, uh, actually, I think water got poured on that fire when the news about Holden stays kind of flared up. Justin Jolly didn't even make the trip this weekend as scheduled because of that. So, I'm feeling pretty good about holding stays. The tight end out of Notre Dame, number one in the portal. Um, that is pretty much all the the insides of the portal. And then also Te- Texas A&M has a commit or has a guy in the portal, Walter Nolan. He was out of Powell, Tennessee. If you don't know where that's at, it's basically exactly, I don't know, 15 minutes north of Knoxville, maybe less than. So Walter Nolan is from Knoxville, hit the portal from Texas A&M. It was definitely between A&M and Tennessee when he committed to A&M. A lot of people seem to think that Tennessee's the front runner. I think he's having a really good look at Georgia. Um, but you're nodding your head no. What's up? Just, just some things that I've I, I've been hearing about. the. I, I don't know exactly what went on, but apparently there was some um, 
there, there were some ties that were severed um, a- after the commitment to Texas A&M uh, between, oh, yeah. between Nolan and Tennessee. I don't see him coming back to Tennessee. I would love to have him because, man, that dude is a beast. But I, oh, I yeah. just I don't see him coming to Tennessee. I I don't say that I don't see him coming to Tennessee because I'm a firm believer that no matter what a kid decides, uh, coaches are not going to hold it against them regardless. Um, now, fans can say what they want to. And trust me, Robert, the fans have let Jordan Seaton know how stupid of a decision that was. But at the end of the day, the kid is doing what he feels like is best for him. I'm personally not going to hold it against him. I am of the opinion that if he wants to go waste his talents at Colorado just for fame on Instagram, by all means, go for it. Um, uh, I'm just – I think Walter Nolan could be a key piece. Especially Tyler Barron's gone. You you bring in Walter Nolan, he's a hometown kid anyways. I, I don't think that bridge is necessarily burnt. Um, but I don't see us winning out the recruitment battle to begin with. Uh, that kid's the number one edge in the in the portal. I just don't see us winning that battle. I, and I don't know if we need to win that battle. I don't think that we need Walter Nolan, um, personally. So, yeah. um, but that's the latest news in the portal and in recruiting. And I just kind of wanted to give everybody an update because it, that changes daily. And mm. I've just kind of been gathering information. So the portal, I think, officially opened on the 4th or on the 6th of December. It's um, open for about 30 days, 31 days, something like that. So around the 4th yep. or the 5th of January is when it'll close again. And, 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 and after we can give an update about some of the other teams and, you know, who is. Yeah. Who and after, after bowl games, you'll see another, like, just absolutely. It's almost like somebody will be opening the dam. I mean, after bowl season, you'll see another wave of, of port, uh, transfers hit the portal. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, follow some some Tennessee pages on Instagram. There's there's a lot of them. I follow a ton of them. But that's how you can keep up with it day to day. That's what I do. But uh, that's the update from us from here at the Vol Fanatic Show. And ju- just a couple of other names outside of Tennessee I want to mention. Um, you know, Rocket Sanders at Arkansas, he has entered the portal. Um, also, um, linebacker um, – at Arkansas, I can't remember. Uh, Chris Paul Jr., um, he has entered the portal from Arkansas. There's some other big names out there. And, uh, Robert, this is where I want to mention Brock Vandegrift. So, first off, um, I I don't I don't fault Brock Vandegrift from, um, from deciding to leave Georgia because I believe that means that Carson Beck is coming back next year. And a, a big shout-out to Carson Beck. I mean, he – he waited his turn behind Stetson Bennett, and this year he he put up close to Heisman numbers, but there was those guys that went ahead of him that just had better numbers. Um, and you know he also wasn't the most important player on that on the Georgia team. I mean you had you had Brock Bowers out there, which I mean he did get hurt, but you had all these other guys that contributed to that success. It wasn't just Carson Beck. Um, but I think he saw the writing on the wall, realized that Beck is coming back, and um, Brock Vandergriff transferred to Kentucky. And I'm a guy that I, I really hope the best for everyone out there. Uh, whenever they transfer, I hope that you know, I I hope that their careers go on and they have success in them. But the question I want to bring up to you here, Skylar, is: Do you think? 
that Brock Vandergriff is the next quarterback in the line of Kentucky transfer quarterbacks, that is a bust. I'm not going to say a bust, but he will be the next transfer quarterback to go to Kentucky and not be Tennessee. 100%. True. And, and, and I guess I, I guess I shouldn't say a bust. I, I guess I'm not going to say a bust say, because Will Levis, and I would consider Will Levis a bust. Mm. I uh, don't know if I would consider under, Will Levis a bust. Under but he pro- could not be Tennessee. He could not be Tennessee. Yes. Is he going to be the next uh, transfer quarterback at Kentucky to underperform? the uh, the expectations that are expected of him coming in. Okay, that's a more fair question, but I'm going to give you kind of an honest answer, and that is I don't know. I've never watched Brock Vandergriff play a play in my life. I've never seen the kid. I don't know what his skill sets are. Um, he kind of looks like a dad if you just took a picture of him. I don't know. Like he, The dude just looks like he's an old older quarterback that – Honestly, you would have thought it played for years, but he's been kind of riding the bench at Georgia. I think he was a five-star recruit. He was, he was a five-star recruit coming in. Yeah, it's crazy to, to me to think that a five-star, because there's not a lot of them. In every recruiting class, there is not a lot of five-star quarterbacks. No. So the fact that he went to Georgia and has just been sitting on the bench the whole time, um, I, I don't know, man. It's uh, I think I think we'll see I, – I, as a – Tennessee fan, I don't know how I want to word this. We better see a a good a good Kentucky team next year out of Stoops because if not, things may end in Kentucky and Lexington and it not be on Stoops' watch. See, right now I think Stoops hold the cards, but if he doesn't have a good season next year, I I think Kentucky may may make some moves. Yep, you might be right. Um. So, so my thoughts on it is, you know, I just don't know how well Kentucky does at developing quarterbacks because, you know, you look at 2021 Will Levis, he had a really good year overall, but he was behind an outstanding offensive line. I mean, the, the term the big blue wall, that year, that offensive line, that was the big blue wall. And then – 2022, granted, I know that they lost the offensive coordinator. Uh, can't remember his name off the top of my head. But um, that offensive okay. line was absolutely terrible. And yep. Will Levis could not do anything because of that. And there was It some- was the worst <laughs> offensive line, I think. I think it was the worst offensive line in Kentucky history. You might be right on that. And there was, I it mean, was some most sacks. It was the, yeah. Expectations for Will Levis that year. And he yep. just he underperformed because he could not do anything with that offensive line. Didn't I think his get, offensive line costed Will Levis a first-round pick, 100%. I, 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 can, I can 100% back that. I, I think that you were correct with that statement. Um, and then this year you had a transfer quarterback, Devin Leary, who did a lot of good things at NC State. He was a really good quarterback. He was hurt some. And that was there was questions about how he would do this year coming off of that injury from last year, but the expectations for him coming in with that offensive coordinator, like I said, still can't remember his name, but he came back to Kentucky, and everyone was like, "Okay, he's back. We got a good transfer quarterback coming in." The expectations once again are sky high, and they could not be met. Devin Leary. Was he badly underperformed this year? So Liam Cohen, do it. Liam Cohen, 
Liam Cohen, thank you for that. I, I, I cannot Third. remember his name for the life of me, but um, Liam Cohen, he's, very, he's a very good offensive coordinator, but Absolutely. I, I just I don't so, know if they're developing quarterbacks, and that's why I bring up the question, do you uh, that that's why I brought up that question to you. Do you think that Brock Vandergriff could be that next quarterback in the line of Kentucky quarterbacks to underperform? And I really think that he he will underperform for Kentucky. I hope not. I hope the best for Brock. I, I really want him to succeed because I don't wish ill will against anybody. I just don't I, I don't see him having success at Kentucky because I don't see any quarterback having a ton of success at Kentucky right now. Well, the good news with Kentucky though is um luckily they're getting a five star quarterback who's been in the best system in the last two years. They don't necessarily have to develop him. The problem with Kentucky is he's only going to be as good as his offensive line allows him to be. So the problem with uh, Devin Leary this year is the big blue wall was just that in the rushing game, but the complete opposite in the passing game. Yeah. So now they need an offensive line that can put it all together. And they haven't had that in three years. So you've got your quarterback. Now they need to pour in all their, uh, all their efforts into building an offensive line. And to to coach them up, to give Brock Vendergriff all the tools he needs. He's got where our receivers, man. Barry on Brown and uh they, they got another kid. Uh, I don't know his name. They're good. They're 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 fine on the outside. But uh and Brock Vendergriff, I don't know how he but if he's a five star recruit that went to Georgia, he's gonna be good. So they just give the kid a line, give the kid an offensive line. They'll be fine. And again, like I said, for Coach Stoops, they better have a promising start to the 2024 season, um, yeah, especially with the 12-team playoff. So. Yeah, it, it could go downhill in a hurry. And the last name I want to mention, and I won't spend a lot of time on him, you brought him up before we went live, uh, Juice Wells from uh, yes. South Carolina. Um, Tennessee and Texas have been no, uh, noted as the front runners to get Juice Wells, uh, what are your thoughts on on him possibly going to Knoxville? Um, reading Robert's comment, he he says if Brock is a bust, how can Stoops not be on the hot seat? I'm just saying that's what I think, dude. Um, so at least look, that's why I like Robert. Robert makes me feel good. We we kind of think the same, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm joking. Um. <laughs> Juice Wells, let's get back on the track. Uh, Juice Wells, so it was between Texas and Tennessee, and the reason why I say was is because um, VolQuest, God, Austin Price, there we go. Austin Price on the VolQuest. If you guys don't watch it, y'all should. They're the, the real insiders. We're just fans that are relaying information. Austin Price came out and said, hey, let's pour water on the fire on Juice Wells. He thinks that it's strictly an NIL thing, has nothing to do with connections or anything. That dude is looking for the biggest purse, and I don't know if that's something that we're going to do. Now, with us losing a high-dollar tag in Jordan Seaton, maybe we can put a little bit more towards Juice Wells, but it's kind of one of those things where, is that really where we want to put our money when we need some offensive linemen? So, I mean, it's just it's a big roster management thing. I just don't think Juice Wells is probably the right fit for Tennessee, but... Again, we're in the mat or we're in the mix. So, I mean, if anything, Colorado's proven is you don't even have to be in the mix to still win out a five star recruit. So, 
Yeah, and I, I think to your point there, um, I I don't think that Josh Heupel wants a guy that uh, that is just looking for money. He wants a guy that is going to help his team and is going to build relationships with the guys out there and is going to put them in the best position to win games. And a guy that's just out there looking for the biggest bag, that tells me he's not going to do whatever it takes to help his team. He He's out there looking out for himself. And that's not the that's not the guy that Josh Heupel is. That's and that's not what you want in your locker room, man. No, absolutely. So, I mean, I love that you br- I love that you bring that up. I mean, because if he's going to be like that in the portal, <laughs> could you imagine what he's going to be like in the locker room? Um, and, and you're exactly right. One thing Heupel's done, and he's done very well, is he was went out and he's got kids that are really good at heart. Like they know what they want. They're determined. They're motivated. Kamal Haddon's had a hot head problem, but man, that kid he. He played his heart out for Tennessee, and he played his heart out for his brother. And that's exactly the type of kids that that Josh Hype was going to go after. So I agree with you 100%. But it's December. Somebody told me it's basketball season. Somebody told me that we're now on a two-game winning streak. You want to talk about them Vols, baby? Let's talk about the basketballs. Let's talk about them basketballs, baby. So yesterday at uh, 12 Eastern on CBS, Tennessee hosted the Illinois Fighting Illini, and that was a fantastic game. Uh, Tennessee did end up pulling out the victory, 86-79. to Skyler, you want to give out some stats in this game here? Let's do it, man. Um, so Tennessee gets the win. 17-ranked Volunteers beat 20-ranked Fighting Illini, 86-79, to as you said. They were actually losing at halftime. 36 to 34, but they come back, have a, a big second half where they scored 52 points. They get the win and um, just some key stats right off the top of the, the bat is three pointers. They were six of 18 were the Vols. They were 27 to 60 in field goals. So right at 45% and free throws. They were 26, 34, not perfect. They were 76.5% on free throws, but they out rebounded 43 to 34. Um, uh, they had 13 offensive rebounds, so second, chan- uh, second chance points were, were a big factor. And then they had 30 defensive rebounds to just 22 of the fine and the line eye. Man, honestly, this was just a team effort overall. Um, you know, I'm sitting here looking. We had five scores in double digits behind Dalton Connect leading the way with 21. Um, I didn't watch the game because I was in the middle of a Christmas parade. That was freaking awesome. But I did catch a highlight of... It kind of seems like Zakai Ziegler got a steal. He threw it to Triple J where he got to slam it in. I think they took the lead on that goal, and I felt like that was like the turning point in the game, was it not? That was the turning point in the game, and Tennessee was in the middle of a run at that point. I don't remember um, how many points they scored in a row, but they were down starting off the run by four or five, I believe. I don't I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but – um. Tennessee went on a run at that point, and that one, it was the turning point in the game. That steal and that slam from Triple J. Um, it, it what was, about Triple J? What about Triple J? You want to take a so, moment and just talk about him? Yes, I, I, I want to talk about Triple, Triple J because I – so I, I want to ask you a couple of questions here just about Tennessee in general, and then we'll get back on this game. So yeah. who, who is the, the best player on this team? And it's not a hard question. I mean, right now, if you ask me, I got to go dog connect, man. Absolutely. Dalton Connect is the best player on this Tennessee team. Who is the most important player on this Tennessee team? It's got to be Triple J, dude. It's Triple J. And 
I don't think there can be any other answer to this question because Triple J coming back for yet another year. I believe this is his um this is his sixth year, I believe. It could be fifth. Um I know he's used a COVID year. He possibly has used a red shirt as well, a medical red shirt, because he has been hurt. The the fact that Triple J this year has not had to go through um all the injuries that he has. He, so each summer he has had some sort of injury since he has been on Rocky Top that he has had to miss time in the summer. This is the first offseason that he has been completely healthy. And it is showing because Triple J yesterday, his stat line, 12 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists to go along with a steal. He was 6 of 8 from the foul line yesterday. He is He's doing it all. He's not just doing it in one area. Just his presence on the court, and not to mention because of his size and his strength, he can literally guard anybody on the floor. He is six foot six, I believe. But if Tennessee chose to, they could go out there with a small lineup and put him at the center, and he could still guard the other team's center. Just having him on the floor is unbelievable for Tennessee. So last question that I have, who is the X factor player on this Tennessee team in your opinion? And this is a little bit tougher question. It is, but I, and maybe this ain't the right answer for this question, but kind of a guy that surprised me this year. That's kind of been the, the constant for the team is Jonas Adu. Okay. Jonas Adu. Jonas Adu. Jonas Adu has been the guy that, regardless of the win or the losses, he's always seemed to be the stabilizer for the team. Whether that's on offense, getting the points, whether that's on defense, getting the rebounds, he just seems to be the constant for the team. Santiago Vescovi and Zakai Ziegler, do not get me wrong, they are freaking great players, but it's taken them several games this year to kind of find their way. I think they were a little shocked this year when Don Connect came in and just freaking took over. I think they kind of had a little bit of a, oh, shoot, like... <laughs> Did not expect that. We were supposed to be those guys. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I think if you're taking like constant, like you kind of know what you're going to get out of a player week or day in and day out. Cause it's not weekly games like football. It's gotta be Jonas Adu, but maybe that's the wrong answer for this question. So I, I can make an argument for that. And, and I don't think that you're wrong. I don't think that there is necessarily a wrong answer to this question, but I'm going to go a separate route here and say, Jemai Meshack. The the energy, oh, okay. the energy that he plays with, he is giving you not just 100%, not just 110%. He's giving you 120% or more each time that he steps on the floor. And, you know. The- well, and I love that pick. I love that pick because he absolutely, especially last night, he did the absolute most with the least amount of time. Yeah, like, he, he only played 15 a- minutes yesterday. He he has been starting most of the year, but that's because Zakai Ziegler has still been coming back from uh, the ACL tear from last year. But he yeah. was two for two from the field, five of six from the free throw line. He had four total rebounds yesterday, including one offensive rebound, three assists, no turnovers in the game. He did have two fouls, but the the presence that he has on defense, he is just an absolute pest. On defense, if you if you're being guarded by Jemai Meshack, you on one hand you got to feel good because you're like, okay, this means that I am the guy on the other team because whoever the guy is for the other team, that's who Meshack is going to be guarding when he comes in. 
But at the same time, you're thinking, crap, I got this guy on me? And then not only that, but his offensive game has come around. He has really worked on the three-point line this year. Oh, yeah. and he doesn't shoot a lot of them, but if you leave him open, he is going to knock him down. And he's always finding his way around the ball. I love Jemai Meshack and just the energy that he gives. And that's why I'm putting him as my X-factor uh, X factor player on this Tennessee team. But I can also make an argument for Jonas Adu because you're right. He is that stabilizer guy. He is that post-presence that Tennessee needs, and he yeah. has stepped up the last few games. That, that was And that was kind of where I was coming from because, like, even with Zakai, because let's be honest, he's kind of finding his way. And, and after that big ACL injury, like, I get it. Santiago Vescovi's kind of been cold from the arch, but he's had some personal things going on. But you've had Jonas Adu kind of step up. He's just been that, just kind of been that constant. Like, he, you know what you're getting. But one thing that even about Triple J that we really haven't even mentioned is the fact that what he did on the boards and, and scoring 12 was great. Dude had seven assists. I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's pretty good. When you, when your team has 21 assists to nine, I love what we're doing when we're passing the ball around. Everybody's sharing the rock. And, I mean, clearly everybody fed on it. And, um, But Jamai Meshack, sorry, Jamai Meshack, Toby Awaka, Jordan Ganey. Jordan Ganey's kind of a guy that's interesting because in the couple of games that I've caught, he's really made the most out of kind of the limited amount of minutes that he got. Now, unfortunately, this this game, he really didn't. I mean, he got five points in 15 minutes, or I'm sorry, 17 minutes. But um, I, I think this this team is, especially with having the three or you know two come back and Triple J and Santiago, which you didn't think were going to be coming back, this team's looking good depth-wise. I'm not really worried about that. And I'm honestly okay that they've been punched in the mouth early in the season. They've had the hardest schedule out of, like, any freaking college basketball team to start the first 10 games. And yeah. let's not be honest. Like, they got punched in the mouth. But I'm so okay with it now. And then hopefully we make a run in March rather than how has it been the last few seasons where we go freaking – I don't know, 24 and 8 or or 30 and 7. I don't know what the how many games they play in a regular season, but you know, you're very like pumped. You started out 10 and 0 or whatever and then you lose in the round of 32 or the first round or the sweet 16. Like it, the the vibes are a little bit different, but I still feel like it's very positive for the balls. Yeah, and, and so guys, first first off, you know, Skyler and I are both football guys, you know, he actually played the game I did not, uh, but I've been around football a long time. I've I, I've been a PA announcer at Cornersville since my senior year of high school. I'm a basketball guy, so I, I'm going to probably go a little bit more in-depth than Skylar will about basketball. And when we get to baseball, please do it. I said, I don't know basketball plays. I'm naive as hell. Yeah. <laughs> get a screen. Get a screen. Give me a screen. I know that's in football, baby. No, I'm joking. <laughs> No, I'm a basketball guy, though. I, I'm going to go in-depth on a lot of this. And, you know, Skyler's going to sit back and he's going to listen to me. And he's going to chip in. But he he's like, man, you got the floor on this. That's, That's Skyler right. knows the baseball. Skyler knows his baseball. I know a little bit because I played the game. But Skyler has played it his his whole life. I only played it in high school. So Skyler's got the floor when it comes to baseball season, guys. But basketball season, man. All right, take your take your moment. All right, you have the floor, dude. But, but but look, you hit the nail on the head with with Tennessee basketball. Um, 
you know, it, it's been disappointing over the last few years where we have had so much success in that regular season. And a matter of fact, two years ago, won the conference championship uh, or yeah. conference tournament championship, something that hadn't been done since I believe 1986 was the last time Tennessee basketball won a SEC tournament championship in men's basketball. Um, but then you mentioned it. You go and you get beat in the second round by Michigan. So it was very disappointing. Um, I love this Tennessee team because they've got so much depth, like you mentioned. But at the same time, in yesterday's game, they only played eight guys because that's all that they had to play. Where you've got guys this year that have been playing. I mean, Tennessee's been going like 12 deep at times. You've got some notable names yesterday that didn't even play that have been in games past. You got Freddie Dillion, who he's still coming around. He but he's gonna be a good player for Tennessee. Yet uh JP Estrella, he is a very talented freshman uh that has uh come along a little bit. He did not play at all yesterday. You got um you got Cade Phillips, who actually was listed to be redshirted this year. And the players came together to uh, to Rick Barnes and said, look, we don't need to redshirt him. We're going to need him this year because of how talented he is. He didn't play yesterday. And a guy that I absolutely love that has come out and played some, he, he's also going to be a talented player down the road, is Cameron DJ, um, DJ Jefferson, uh, I believe, has got some off-the-court issues that has kept him from – uh, being able to play as much. He's he's also talented, and I can't wait to see him. But Cameron Carr, I am a big fan of. Um, I can't remember the game right off the top of my head, but he came in towards the end. Uh, it was a blowout win for Tennessee. And uh, the first time he touched the ball, the defender gave him a little bit of space. So he just grabbed it and stepped right in. First shot, bam, nothing but net. I mean, ju just his – his mentality when he goes out there, he's so confident. So Tennessee has got so much talent. They're so deep. And, you know, yesterday they only played eight guys, but they can go 10, 11, 12 deep if they need to. So this is a Tennessee team that when they pull it all together, they, they're, they're going to make some noise, I believe. And you mentioned the schedule so far this year. They have played the, Number one team in the nation at the time in Kansas and got beat by eight or nine. You got beat by the number two team in the nation at the time in Purdue by five or six. You got beat by North Carolina, who was ranked like 17 at the time, but they're in the top 10 now at their home court by eight. Their three losses are all by single digits, and you've also knocked off top 25 Wisconsin at Wisconsin and number 20 Illinois at home. Tennessee is battle tested and they're going to be ready for the SEC. Of course, they're going to drop some games in the SEC because nobody goes perfect in the conference, but it's like baseball impossible almost. Absolutely. And Tennessee was predicted to win the SEC in the preseason. I think they very well can do it. I, I know Kentucky has got a good team this year as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the the other teams in the conference as we go forward uh, after New Year's. Uh, we're not going to go as in-depth with the other teams as we do in football just because there is so many basketball games. 
but yeah. we're we're gonna, we're gonna discuss the other teams as well. But Kentucky's got a good team. Arkansas does. Texas A&M does. There's some good teams in this conference, but Tennessee is absolutely at the very top, and I am very, very excited for this Tennessee team. Well, I can clearly tell. Um, I want to ask you something. Moving forward with this basketball team, before they hit the SEC schedule, I mean, what are some things um, that you need to see them clean up? Because, look, this team is known – for being feisty defensively, right? Um, they kind of get that that brand. What did I seen our Dagum athletic director Danny White shared something where another athletic director was like, "Man, they're drawing blood." You know, this this is crazy. You know, blah blah. Basically saying that our players are bullies, right? And athletic or Danny White called him out, shared that post. But anyways, defending our players, which is why I love Danny White. But I've also seen our team cough up the ball a lot, a lot of turnovers. I, that's just me watching. I've only caught about three or four games this year. What What do you need to see them do cleanup-wise? I mean, they gave up 100 to North Carolina. And I, I granted, I know they were hot that first half. But what do you need to see? Number one team I need to see is they need to shoot the free throws better. They have yeah. not shot the – they've not shot the ball well from the free throw line this year. Um, you know, 75% like it was yesterday, that's not terrible. But that's going to lose you some ball games. Going forward, so that's the number that's one. Giving up five, I was gonna say that's giving up five points right there. You know, because you, you're almost guaranteed to shoot twenty free throws in a game at least. So if you're if you're only hitting seventy five of them, you're giving up five points right there every game. Yeah, that that's my number one thing. Um, they have cleaned up the turnovers a little bit, but they still need to. Sometimes they do a little bit too much with the basketball. You know, this is a very unselfish team, as you saw yesterday. They had 21 assists in the game compared to Illinois' nine assists. So they're a very unselfish team. They're going to look for the best shot. But there are times where this team needs to get a little bit more selfish and take that first shot that they get because that might be the best one that you get throughout the entire possession. And so sometimes they try to do a little bit too much and end up turning the ball over. That's something that needs to be cleaned up a little bit. Something that they have definitely improved on over the last few games since the North Carolina game is the post presence down low. You, I, I understand it was a very tall task for Adu and Awaka and Phillips and Estrella going up against some of the best big men in college basketball with Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson. And then uh, I, I can't remember the guy from North Carolina's name, but those were three of the best big men you're going to go up against all year long. And yeah, and the Tennessee post presence was almost non-existent on the offensive end. And I know that those guys are good, but you've got to have a post presence down there because I believe that is the reason why Tennessee lost the the Purdue and the Kansas game, for instance, because, yes, it was you know back-to-back-to-back days you're playing basketball, but the three-point shot was not falling. And when the three-point shot is not falling for Tennessee, they start to get in a little bit of trouble. So you've got to have that post presence to be able to open things up for that outside shot. There was too many shots forced in that game, and that's something that Tennessee's going to have to work on as the year goes on. But they've already started to improve on it a little bit over the last two games against George Mason and against Illinois. You mentioned Awaka. He's been that constant presence, especially over the last two games. He had a career high against George Mason. Uh, I can't remember his final numbers, but it was somewhere around 20. And he had 14 yesterday in the game. So when you have 14 from a post player like that, 
um, it you know they have to start respecting that, and your outside shot starts opening up a little bit more. Um, so Tennessee going forward, Rick Barnes does a great job of improving things as the year goes on. I think they're going to, but those are some some little things that need to get cleaned up. Um, defensively, this is still a very good defensive basketball team, but sometimes they they over pursue a little bit. So that's some stuff that needs to get cleaned up some because you know you mentioned North Carolina was hot in that game and they were, but you can't give up a hundred points in a game because you're not gonna no lose shot. you're not gonna win many games where you give up a hundred points. No shot. Well, hey, Tennessee moving forward, they've got four games left until they start SEC play. This coming week they play Georgia Southern um Tuesday, December twelfth, and then they play NC State Saturday, December sixteenth. They will play Tarlin State Thursday, December twenty first before the Christmas and New Year's break. Um where they'll come out and face Norfolk State uh State excuse me, January 2nd, and then it's SEC time against Ole Miss January 6th, man. Um, I think, judging this team, and I, I don't really know any of the other teams, but I, I'm I'm expecting Tennessee to kind of sweep these four games before SEC. Do, do we agree? I, I 100% agree. Um, I don't know much about NC State, but, you know, that is going to be a little bit tougher team than, say, you know, Georgia Southern, Norfolk State, though, uh, some of those all, games. But All are home games, I believe. So. They're coming yeah, and, here. And, and, you know, that George Mason game the other night, that was the first home game that Tennessee has played in almost a month. Because before then, the, their, their first their first home game was, um, what was it, Austin? No, not Austin P. Um, it was Tennessee Tech. Yeah, t- okay, Tennessee Tech. Um, Tennessee Tech to start the season, and then they played Wolford after they beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And then, uh, yeah, man, they've kind of been on the road. They were on the because it was that tournament, right? Where they played, was it Syracuse, Purdue, Kansas? Yeah. Um, and, I think, and you had a North so, Carolina game in, in there. Um, and that was at North Carolina. So, yeah, George Mason was only really the, the third game of the season in Thompson Bowling Arena. Um, and Illinois was the fourth. But, yeah, so they'll, they'll come up on a four game home stretch here. Uh, and of course, that is broken up by the Christmas New Year's break. But, uh, exciting things to come. Hopefully, they can start SEC play at 11 and three. That is the hope, at least. We don't want anything less than that. And uh, I'm excited, man. I, I'm not a big basketball guy, like like you've already mentioned. I appreciate that, letting the folks know to kind of save me if I sound like an idiot. But uh, I'm all Tennessee things. So one thing I want to talk about before we get off for the day, because I know we, we, once again, have a long episode. I kind of want to talk about the Lady Vols, dude, if you don't mind. And uh, no, I don't really watch them that often. I think I've only caught one game this year. They're currently playing right now, I guess, Eastern Kentucky. But I kind of wanted to talk about just the situation. Like, they've not started the way, obviously, anybody wants to start the season. They're four and five right now. Two and is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're four and five right now. They're three and two at home, and they're actually winless on the road. But Kelly Harper, she's done fantastic things for this basketball team. And I'm not here saying that she should be on the hot seat, but what I am here saying is I know for a fact nobody on that basketball team seen this type of start to the season and losing to Middle Tennessee the way they did uh, ever happening. And so, and I know they're dealing with injuries, but just give me a feel for for the room for the Lady Vols right now because I know people are not happy with it. Um, so, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, this team just went to the Sweet 16 last year along with the men's basketball team. They They did, and, you know, I don't I don't believe that Kelly Harper should be on the hot seat yet. Um because 
Yeah, we talked about the men's schedule, how difficult it is. The ladies, the lady ball schedule is no cupcake either. I mean, they other than MTSU, all all of their other losses this year have been to teams ranked in the top twenty five. That that is something that Kelly Harper has done since she came to Tennessee. Is she has made sure that her team is tested by the time SEC play rolls around. So other than MTSU, and that was a game where MTSU was just lights out from the three point line that night. Um, Tennessee has been dealing with the injury to Rakia Jackson. Um, I don't believe she has come back from that injury yet, and she is by far Tennessee's best player in the game. Matter of fact, uh, MTSU in that game, they were 50% from the three-point line. So unreal. Unreal from the three-point line. Um, But you make a good point. They lost to number 16, Indiana. They got a three-point victory over Oklahoma. They lost to the 12th-ranked, Buckeyes. So to your point, man, they they've they played some pretty good teams. They they unfortunately lost all three of their ranked matchups, but uh I, I'm so sorry. They did they lost to Florida State by one point. Yeah, they lost so to they've Florida actually State lost one. Yeah, they so they lost time, all four of their ranked matchups so far. Well, um at the time that they played each of these teams, Florida State was ranked eighteenth, so that was a ranked matchup. Indiana oh, showing me that. Okay, my fault. Uh, on e- on ESPN is showing me what they were ranked when they played them. Um, they played. Yeah, so uh, Florida State was ranked 18th. That was at Florida State. That was on the road in a one point loss. I watched that game and it was a heartbreaking was- loss. Yep. For, uh, for Tennessee, the Indiana loss. Uh, Indiana was ranked 21st at the time. Whenever they played, uh, that game unfortunately was in Thompson Bowling Arena, so it was a home game that they dropped, but. That was another game um, where uh, Rakia Jackson was out. She she played in the first two games, and I don't believe, believe that she has played since. So that Indiana yeah. game was without her. Oklahoma was ranked 22nd at the time whenever they played, and they won that game at home. Uh, also played at the time 18th ranked Notre Dame and lost by five. And um, number 16 ranked at the time Ohio State, they lost by 20. All of those games – were at home or possibly neutral site. I know the MTSU game was a neutral site game in Huntsville. Uh, I don't know about the other games, but uh, I, I don't believe that Kelly Harper should be on the hot seat right now. Um, I, I just think I just think that some things have have gone against Tennessee this year that I, I think they will turn around by the time conference play gets there because Tennessee has done a very very good job in conference play since Kelly Harper has uh, gotten there. They've won some games that they probably should not have. Um, and, and even last year going into the tournament, Tennessee, they they didn't overachieve, but they didn't underachieve. They made the Sweet 16. And, yes, when you look at Tennessee's history for the Lady Vols, their, their expectation is, you know, championship game or bust. But the teams around them have gotten so much better and I think it is a disadvantage for any head coach after Pat Summit because of oh, the yeah. the success that she had for Tennessee. It these head coaches cannot meet that same expectation that that she reached. And I I'm not saying that Tennessee should not expect to win championships because absolutely Tennessee needs to. That that should be their expectation. But to be compared to Pat Summit. It's it's not a fair comparison, and I 
I like Kelly Harper more than I did uh, Holly Warlick, but I think that was her big downfall was she was the one following Pat Summit because she still had success. She, she just, had a great <laughs> like let's be honest. She I think she was I think she was like seventy five percent in win loss ratio. But um, but to your point, she was the the rebound hire after Pat Summit, um, and she had a very high bar to live up to. And unfortunately, she you know, even though most people think that's great uh, to Tennessee standards and what they've been living with for decades, man, that that was that was not it. That's not what they needed. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, man. And and I, I judge basketball a little bit differently because I, I like you mentioned and like we all know now. I never really played basketball, but to me, it's so similar to baseball in the fact that no matter how good or bad a team is, you can get hot or cold at any moment. And it's a lot easier to get cold than it is to get hot. And, you know, just trying to fight through that and get out of that. I think similarly with the men's, man, I love that they've got punched in the mouth early in the season. I kind of like the 2021 Braves where they were 500 and they were crawling to get the all-star break. And then they turn around and win the World Series. Like, I'm okay winning a national championship and not being the most dominant team. Look at the baseball team a couple of years ago, man. We literally was undefeated almost and SEC playing in the regular season, and then we didn't even make it to Omaha. Yeah, arguably the best college football, I mean, college of baseball team of all time. Of all time. Didn't, didn't that, even make it to Omaha. Yeah, didn't make it to Omaha. And then you had a team this past year that, you know, at one point, was like, are we even gonna make the tournament because of how <laughs> bad that they were playing at the beginning of SEC we play? And then with Omaha we this past year, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's whichever team gets hot at the right time when it comes to basketball and baseball, and I, I that's what I love about it is you know you you can have a, a bad start, but they're they're tournament sports. We got Tennessee football 247. I went to the Tennessee and Illinois game yesterday. Hell yeah, I did. Um, I bet you had a blast, dude. Um, I bet the environment was raucous, dude. It was awesome. It was good to see. But, uh, Michael, man, that wraps up our show today. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on? Well, let, let's give the folks listening a um, a little preview of what's to, what's to come over the next few weeks because, um, guys, next week – we will still be live. We will probably go a little bit earlier in the day, uh, probably about um, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Um, got got some family stuff going on, Christmas stuff, and that is going to be our last show for the 2023 calendar year uh, because the, the next two Sundays are going to be Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So we're going to take those two weeks off of – Spend some time with the family and stuff. And after the uh, after next week's show on the seventeenth, our our next one will be on January the sixth. So um, that that's going to be the plan. We're going to give our complete bowl predictions next week. Oh dang! It's backwards. <laughs> Love you, Robert. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna give our complete bowl predictions for the SEC teams next week, and then our next show will be the day before the college football championship game, and we'll we'll make a prediction on that one as well. Um, Skyler, we didn't really. How about talk- you, you, 
Did you remind the folks that who's still winning in that? By the way, you want to you want to remind them real quick. We don't have to. You do probably that. Don't even, uh, we yeah. don't have to do that. That's fine. No. It's fine. Totally fine. Skyler is ahead by four right now. Um, he's got a ninety-eight and twenty-seven overall record. I'm sitting at ninety-four and twenty-three. Still got a chance to come back, but it, it's looking slim. Um, we he said we ain't got to do that, but I do have him sitting right here. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, you know, we hadn't really talked about it, but uh, I know Alabama is in one of the playoff games. You want to go ahead and make a, a prediction next week on the other playoff game as well, the uh, the Texas-Washington game? Because, I mean, Texas is going to yeah, be the playoffs. Yeah, we can do the playoffs, yeah. So we will have 10 games next week to predict. We will also have our upset pick of the uh, – I guess we'll do of the month. You know, of of the bowl season. <laughs> yeah. Whatever sure. team we think in the bowl season could pull off an upset. Um, Give me Kentucky over Clemson. Kentucky <laughs> <laughs> pick to win that game as well in the predictions. So. I'll do it. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so a fun, fun couple of weeks coming up. Um, like I said, we're going to do the, the show a little bit earlier next week just so that we can uh, let Michael and his family, they're, they're going to do some Christmas. He's like me, man. You got like seven families that you got you got the got the in-laws you got you got two sides of parents on your side and two sides on her side is out man exactly dude exactly but very thankful that we have family to go enjoy it with so but uh i guess for myself skylar man thank y'all for tuning in to the vol fanatic show we will see y'all next week yep guys thank thank y'all very much one one last mention prayers up to to the victims uh of the tornadoes Uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week Skyler Robert's Robert's like Robert's like what tornadoes (laughs) Tennessee got hit hard Tennessee got hit hard by tornadoes so yes everybody be uh, be keeping Middle Tennessee and y'all they always thought some prayers but yes Michael see y'all have a good week man see y'all next week see ya